I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. I'm Crystal Sunshine. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. All right, so this week we're talking about gender roles, and I'm super excited. We have a lot of books this week, which is, I think, really cool that there's a lot of books about um, about gender roles and sort of diversifying our ideas about gender roles. So um, is anyone, like, really eager to start? I feel very excited. Okay, go, Crystal. I'll start. <laughs> um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with, like, I'm going to leave the best for last. <laughs> um, the first book that I'm bringing to you all today is called I Love My Colorful Nails. Ooh. And it's by Alicia Acosta and Luis Amavisca, illustrated by Gusty. And the publisher is Noob Ocho, who I've never heard of. Mm, me neither. Before. Um, and... This is such a perfect book to answer this problem that so many parents, including parents of cisgender, transgender, non-binary children, just kind of across the board, everybody has these little boys who want to paint their nails because painting your nails sparkly colors is fucking cool and pretty. (laughs) And then they go to school and some asshole kid tells them that they're not allowed to because they're not a girl. And this book is just like so beautiful. It sets the scene of this little boy who um, paints his nails and they're like, why does he paint his nails? And they're like, there's no mystery to it. He does it because he loves colorful nails. <laughs> and I then they that. get like the parents involved and I get, I mean, this Uh, intersects with some things we were talking about last time in terms of um, it's very celebratory there's Mm. no there's really nobody in his family who's like you shouldn't paint your nails it's just completely normalizing Um, until he goes to school and gets teased by a boy who says painting your nails is for girls you're a girl Um, and then look at he feels so sad he's sitting on the ground with a fallen ice cream cone which is like the saddest thing I've ever seen (laughs) and then he has these like moments uh, with his father which I think is such a beautiful moment in a children's book too just in general is showing a father son moment where the father is uh, showing up for kind of solidarity in this moment and saying like I'm also a boy and I like to paint my nails too, and we're going to paint our nails together. Aww. And then it kind of like helps Ben, Ben, the main character, young child, to navigate um, how he ends up only painting his nails on the weekend because he's still feeling kind of that pressure from school. But his dad paints his nails all the time and picks his son up from school with big sparkly nails. Oh, I love that. I just really love it. It's very sweet. Um, And I feel like I get this question all the time from lots of parents Mm -hmm. asking, like, for this problem specifically, that their child went to school with nails painted and are getting made fun of, and what do we do? So this feels like... I feel like that's a a great book for the classroom, too. 
Totally. Because I feel like that's something that happens a lot. I mean, I, I specifically had an experience where I was working at a children's museum and I was teaching like a class um, and I had my nails painted and this young child walked up to me and started interrogating me about why my nails are painted and told me that I couldn't be a boy and have my nails painted. And this like 12 year old in the class stands up and goes, he's just being his true self. Leave him alone. Yes. <laughs> I was like, thank you, 12-year-olds. Like, it was really I nice to have someone that. stand up for me. It was very right? cute. Um, but yeah, and I, I also kind of like that this person, the idea that this child ends up only painting their nails on the weekend because the unfortunate reality is that we have to make choices about how to present ourselves based on how other people are going to react to it. You know what I mean? I feel like it's kind totally. of realistic in a mm-hmm. way. Like we think like as a queer, mm-hmm. as a queer person, I often decide like how I'm going to present myself for where I'm going and if I'm going to be safe and if I want mm-hmm. to, or like maybe today I just don't want to deal with people mm-hmm. saying, are you a boy or a girl? And so I'm going to dress one way or the other based on you you know such a great point I feel like there's so many books that we've even discussed about gender and gender nonconformity where it's presented in this way that like you should just embrace your gender and be whoever you are whenever you want and I think that's a really excellent point that we're still in the midst of a cultural lexicon where like that's not always safe yeah. so to teach your to teach your kid that it is is really kind of doing them a disservice I, I think there's an idea that it should be and it should be the ideal right that everybody can be safe but also like if you don't want to deal with you know people acting a certain way one day and like you know that something you know you, like painting your nails is gonna have people questioning your gender and you don't have the emotional energy to like be questioned about your gender this Tuesday. Like you might have mm-hmm. to make the decision to mm-hmm. not wear nail polish. And I sort of like opening up that, that dialogue about, about, you know, how we have to choose how to present ourselves sometimes. Totally. Yeah. Which kind of mm-hmm. sucks, but like, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's sad, but I think that also speaks to the experience of children yeah. and, and adults in this way. That's really real. So I feel like the child who is being, who's experiencing that book is going to trust it more. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, that's definitely true because I feel like I hear a lot of stories, like someone who was on the episode about gender was telling me a story about when they were a young kid and they, um, they were uh, an AFAB person, uh, someone who was assigned female at birth. Um, and they basically, you know, when they were a kid, they loved sort of a masculine presentation. They were kind of like, quote unquote, tomboyish. They had short hair and everything. And they were often mistaken for a boy. And one specific time they were at day camp and like the male counselor thought that they were a boy and was like, no, you have to go into the boys changing room at like wow. first swim time. And then all of a sudden they started getting dressed and the counselor was like, oh my God. And like rush them out of there (laughs) and 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 they came home they told me that they came home that day from camp saying i want long hair and i want to get my ears pierced oh that's so sad and so like you hear like it's so real for kids when they have these experiences Mm -hmm. um to want to to you know have this idea that like wow if i present myself a certain way this thing is happening to me and i don't like it's it's not worth that trouble sometimes you know and and have so you seen that there's like a right. meme going around recently that is so i can't remember who said it and i'm gonna totally butcher it but <laughs> something about how like queer people don't 
like grow up being really able to express themselves and like feeling into the bodies that they are or the genders that they are. You kind of like grow up within the system, figuring out how to navigate it. Yeah. And then as adults, like you learn like how to unpack and like get rid of the layers yeah. that weren't fit. And so much of being an adult as a queer person is trying to figure out like, what are the identities that I took on as protective layers? Yeah. And what are the identities that I took on that were actually my own? And that's such an interesting point. Yeah, protect. I like protective that. I mean, layers. I don't yeah. like that. I hate it. But like the idea of protective layers, I just think that um, children are so sensitive to being othered. Like as soon as the counselor goes, oh my God, I didn't understand your gender. Or as soon as my son is told like those tennis shoes are for girls, like immediately it's like, you know, they think in absolutes, mm -hmm. which is completely like developmentally, yeah. you know, typical. Um, so I think in that way, like having the, having the books that present the ideal and then having the conversation about the nuances can try to help help children to see nuance um, in a way that their brains are absolutely able to do, but maybe um, not always inclined yeah, to totally. do. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to present to you now, like my most favorite book in my house right now, <laughs> which is called how mamas love their babies. Oh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I don't have know this, this one. Seth? It's written by Juniper Fitzgerald and illustrated by Elise Peterson and published by Feminist Press. Mm. Um, and it's just beautiful. I just, I've heard about this book for a while and I just got it from the library. And it's got a lot of press and attention because it is the only children's book to ever present sex workers. Mm as mothers to children and um, in a legitimizing way. What? You can and be both of those things at the You can be two things so at once. It, <laughs> and it really does this in this, this, the one, like the illustrations are beautiful. It's this oh, wow. like is it collage. Is it collage? Oh, wow. It's collage. So mm -hmm. there are these like vintage pictures of multicultural oh. families from all around and like different, there's like a disabled mother, there's um, in interracial there and there's also some illustration and the words are so simple but it leaves a lot of room for discussion with the child I read this to my son last night and it was the sweetest book I've read in a long time he like snuggled up to me and we just got to have these conversations about mothers and that it ends with saying like how does your mother like care for you because it's all about like how do mamas love their babies? What do mamas do to resource to take care of their babies? Mm. It references like some mamas stay at home. Like that's a hard job. Some mamas care for their babies inside their own bodies, which leaves room for that conversation that not all mamas carry babies inside their bodies. Mm. Um, but it doesn't overtly bring that to the table. So there's so much room for the adult reading this book to bring other things to the table. I love books like that. Um, and it just, and it's like mamas can do a lot of things to care for their babies when they're in their bodies. Also when they're, when the babies are born, they continue doing things. And they're this really beautiful page about protests 
That's also, there's like mm-hmm. every spread in this book is like opportunity for a deeper conversation about something that relates to social justice or intersectionality or inclusion of some kind. I really love that this is a feminist book that features people from all different races and also is naming it's okay if you're a stay-at-home mom. Like, that's also legitimate. Okay, I, I my, not like argument, but whenever people say, oh, that's not a legitimate job, I'm like, that's literally my job that I'm paid to do is, mm-hmm. is right. stay and take care of children. So, like, it is real work just right. because someone's not mm-hmm. being paid to do it. Like it, it's a le- it's a legitimate job because I know because I do work. it I do it full time and it's hard work. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> exactly. And it just very simply says some mamas stay at home with their babies all day long. It's hard work. I love that. <laughs> and then it kind of introduces that mamas use their bodies in different ways to take care mm. of their babies. Some mamas use their arms to clean houses. I just feel like reading this to you guys because it's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, Gather around for the story. Gather around. But I I love every part of this. Every page is doing something really important. Like this is legitimizing Mm -hmm. like women who clean houses. And I got the opportunity to tell my son, oh, like your grandma did that when I was little. Like, oh, yeah, some people do that for work. And he was like, what? talks about farm workers it shows a black mother using the like some mamas use their heads to make big ideas so it's mm. putting historically marginalized people in positions of power i love that um mm-hmm. doing jobs that we don't normally in media see them doing in children's books um it's all about just like these are all the things that mamas do to help their children and babies thrive and then some mamas fly airplanes. Mm. Some mamas work in ice cream cone stands. Yum. About the middle of the book, it introduces some people call these special clothes uniforms. So it introduces the idea of uniforms. And then mm. it goes through a few different uniforms. Like some are baggy, some are tight. And then we get to this page where it's some uniforms even have special shoes. And it shows... I just, this is like a truly radical spread in a children's book where it's showing stripper mm-hmm. shoes. Um, and on the other page, it's showing a stripper uh, on strike in front of a strip joint. And there's all mm-hmm. these like neon words, um, but none of them are. I think this is really choicefully made in that none of the words are like big boobies, see titties, no. It's like all very, like, if, if a child read this, then like, you're still in okay shape, you know? Like, nothing's like totally What are uncute. some of the things say? So it's adult, um, G-booth, selections, novelties, our buddy's mm, base, okay. all male selection. And then it says, some mamas dance all night long in special shoes. It's hard work. Um, uh-huh. And then it just goes on to the next thing. Like some mamas who dance, just like mamas who clean and think and farm and fly, use their whole bodies to care for their babies. And then I it just that. kind of moves on. And, and I, it feels almost like it was written for a child who has a mother who dances for money to legitimize that work. Um, and it spends like just a moment talking about that and legitimizing it. And it really does spend time saying 
um, because it has that secondary page that says mama who mamas who dance just like other mamas have bodies that love their babies. It really takes a moment to drive that point in to say, you know, all mamas have bodies. All mamas use their bodies to care for their babies. And if mamas dance to care for their babies, like that's the same thing as any of these other jobs. And I, just yeah, really I like the way that, that it's just kind of thrown in there because I feel like it norm like normalizing it. Right. right. Like like they didn't make a whole book just about that. And then there's this like I got to this two-page spread and was like, "Oh, like this is this book is so brilliant because it's really bringing mothers together." You know, in this culture where mothers are often kind of pitted against each other and women are kind of pitted against each other and in order to delegitimize each other's work and place in the world. And there's this beautiful two-page spread where it's just names like mamas who stay home, mamas who dance, mamas who clean and think and farm and fly are often tired at the end of the day. And then it shows three different moms like laying down exhausted. <laughs> and that it's just resonates. Like, it's, yeah, it's like who can't agree with that? You know, and I, I I like read this and looked at River and I was like, is your mama ever tired? And he was like, (laughs) 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 like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're exhausted all the time. Um, I just think that's like for for a mother who's reading this book, who might have had questions historically about the legitimacy of doing sex work as work. I think would see that spread and feel like an opening in her heart, hopefully, and being like, oh, like this is a way that we are all actually really connected. And this work is all actually brings us to the same place. Yeah, I appreciate, like you said about the cleaning too, that it legitimizes that. Because I feel like that's something that's often, like I I went to once a, uh, a meeting of all domestic workers. So that uh, includes people who do cleaning, people who do nanny work and all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how often even ourselves, we delegitimize our own work and don't consider ourselves like professionals and like we are professionals. And um, yeah, so I really appreciate that that's in there too. Sorry, Rebecca, I know you've been like itching to talk for a while. No, 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 I haven't <laughs> been itching to talk. I just had a clarifying question. I really, I really, really like that book as well. I think it's like, I love the art and I, I agree that it's like exactly, it's sub, it's unfortunately subversive. Like none of that should be subversive, but it is. Um, but are we, I, 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 I read a lot about how it is the first book to picture sex work um, or like to kind of depict it or talk about it and reference it. But are we conflating stripping with sex work? Is that, is that stripping something that is, like is considered sex work? Is it? There's like is lots it? of different kinds of sex work. I would say that using, using your body for a sexual purpose to earn money is considered sex work. The strippers that I have known can like consider themselves sex workers. I would say maybe it's an individual thing. Like I, I would imagine you can be a stripper and not consider yourself a sex worker and be a stripper and consider yourself a sex worker. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that was just something where I kept, as I was reading it, I kept waiting. I, I kept waiting for the page that it was, that would be more explicitly about what I kind of, consider sex work um 
but now I understand. Because I also like, there's a lot of nuance. Like I have a friend who is a dominatrix, but doesn't consider herself a sex worker because there is no actual sex that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more like kink related work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's very individualistic, I think. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, just like a lot of the things we talk about where it's like we're claiming, um, you know, identities and and words that feel good to us. Right. Which is awesome. I could clean up my language then in respect to people (laughs) who identify doing dancing, uh, exotic dancing as work. So it's legitimizing, normalizing exotic dancing as a form of work and farm workers and domestic workers and... Um, brilliant mother workers and stay-at-home mama workers and I just love it it was like the I I don't think I've read a book so sweet that like put my kid into such a sweet space Mm. (laughs) in a really long time and it allowed there are so many points of entry for conversation and in a way that doesn't usually work for my kid normally if there's a book that's like what do you think about blah 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 you know, my son doesn't want to answer those questions. And this one, he really dove into those openings. And it was just really beautiful. Everybody go get this book. <laughs> well, it's it's great because it has the rhythms of something like Goodnight Moon or mm-hmm. Guess How Much I Love You. Like it is one, like you're saying, reassuring. Like it's not didactic. It's like very rhythmic and soothing and reassuring. And so beautifully um like you're saying like normalizing and equalizing and uh, subversive in in what it is platforming as absolutely normal and absolutely precious so yeah it's a great book maybe i'm responding to to like we talk about the um rudine sims bishop quote like windows and mirrors that books are Mm -hmm. offering both to children and I felt like it was that tool for me in a way that I don't usually feel in children's books we took so much about how these books are tools for our children and this really felt like oh this is a a window for children but it's also I felt so connected to it personally you know I got to be like oh this is my family like this is what I do this is what my mom did like these are like working class people doing their thing and I see myself and my family in this and I felt like that was really sweet yeah um I think we should push the we should we should implore the publishers that they release this as a board book I think it would be a great yeah it would be a really good board board book book. totally are you listening feminist press (laughs) (laughs) of course they are Uh, I will say also part of what's fun for me is I um I haven't always, I'm not always paying attention to publishers. And since I started paying attention more to publishers, I'm actually kind of excited about all of the different public, that there's so many publishers publishing this kind of content. Mm -hmm. There are definitely a couple of standouts that I notice or that come up a lot. Um, But, uh, but that I always get excited when I hear a publisher, like the one that you mentioned for the, I love my nails or whatever. That was that the name of that book? Noob Ocho. I love my beautiful nails. Yeah. I love my colorful nails. Colorful. I knew there was some descriptive word. Adjective, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, I love when I hear new publisher. I'm just like, I don't even know that publisher. That's great. Right. Crystal, who was the publisher for that one? For How Mamas Love Their Babies? Or for... No, for the I I Love My Colorful Nails. The publisher, I believe, is Noob Ocho. Though, 
it it's a little bit awkwardly placed on the book in a way that um it's hard to hard to tell noob ocho i it took some time to look for like what's who's the publisher about this but yes they specialize in picture books for children Mm. um it looks like they have a maybe bilingual element too i'm only thinking that because when i googled it um it came up in spanish and nubocho Mm. is not in english um publishing house committed to values and diversity they promote respectful attitudes towards all types of diversity and playful medium to make it easier to engage in first experiences and feelings that little ones may not easily understand and they started publishing in spain at first oh okay so that's that's awesome. I also love when I see books in other languages because I know, at least coming from the perspective of living somewhere where French is the primary language, it's uh, it's often ha- difficult to get those kinds of books, like more diverse books in certain languages, like French, for example. Um, like especially in Quebec, we're often getting books from France, um, so it's depending on what they're publishing there. Uh, there aren't too many, in uh, at least that I know of, publishers here in Quebec doing that kind of work so it's always nice when there's um when i'm seeing that stuff in other languages because depending on the language yeah. it can be tricky or the con- country so what? uh so i left my colorful nails <laughs> is also available in spanish on their website oh cool vivan las unas de colores sorry if i totally butchered that <laughs> but that's exciting i guess i'll go ahead and talk about my books okay. um so my I'm going to sort of go in the opposite direction that you did. I'm going to do my sort of like top one and then my sort of honorary mentions. Um, so the one that I really like is called, is that for a boy or a girl? It's like very on the nose. Um, and that's by, uh, um, where is it? I think it's S it's bear. I forget his full name. S bear Bergman, um, who actually is the founder of Flamingo Rampant. Um, it's another Flamingo Rampant book. I just love them. Sorry. And the illustrator, actually, I'm not sorry. They're great. Um, and the illustrator of that is Rachel Doherty. Um, and that's, it's a book that basically goes through, uh, it's sort of a bunch of individual kids saying like, you know, I'm a girl, but I like bugs. And it's very, it's like a rhyming book. It's very fun. Um, and you know, or it's, it's sort of saying like, you can be this and like that you can be this and like that. There's one where, um, where the kid is talking about like being at McDonald's or like whatever they call it in the book. Of course they don't call it McDonald's, but they're like, you know, going to the fast food place and being like, what do you mean? How am I supposed to choose based on if I'm a boy or a girl? Like if it's a pony, then I want that. But if it's a robot, I want that, you know? Um, And then there's one page that I really appreciate. That's about, um, a girl being on the bus being told to like close her legs or sit like a lady or something like that. And the whole page doesn't rhyme. And then at the bottom, it just says I could rhyme, but I'm too cross. (laughs) 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 Really appreciate that page. Um, Cause there's, yeah, it's cause it's like, Oh, you're not telling, you know, my little brother to like sit like that or whatever. And I have leggings on under my dress anyway, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Crotchety double page spread in the middle of the book. (laughs) basically drop um, the dime young ladies <laughs> were you guys told that like no I, I grew up being told you were supposed to keep a dime between your knees as a young lady oh sitting down 
Oh, I, I thought was that ho- was a drug reference when you said drop the dime. I just thought that I wasn't in the no, know. No, you're like <laughs> supposed to keep your legs closed. Yeah, I was told to keep my knees together or my ankles together. One or the other had to be together. I don't know, for whatever that's worth. But um, this kid says, no, Spread I'm doing what I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's just, it's all... Uh, it's all about basically like, you know, the idea that there's lots of different ways to be a kid and just, you know, be yourself. And there's, um, there's a lot of, uh, racial diversity. There's kids with different abilities, um, and all that, all that good stuff. So that Flamingo Mm -hmm. Rampant is really good at doing. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I really, I really like that book. It's very, it's very much, like I said, it's kind of on the nose. Um, so I think it would be great for maybe that kid who, you know, is, doing their thing and then goes to school and is told, oh, you can't do that. Um, And is also a great classroom book as well. I like that even the, um, like the title defies expectation, the font choice. The word boy on the title on the cover is written in like a scrolly kind of a, um, you know, cursive font. Yeah, Yeah. script. And then girl is written in kind of like a stenciled army kind of script. Mm -hmm. Um, Or army font. That's very, very clever. Yeah, it's really fun. And then my other two sort of runner-ups were um, Big Bob, Little Bob, uh, mm-hmm. which is by James Howe and is illustrated by Laura Ellen Anderson. And that's Candlewick Press. Um, and uh, that one, I mean, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with this book because I like the idea of it, um, but there are some kind of particular things in it that I'm like, eh. Um but overall, I like it. I have it. Uh, it's about a two two neighbors who are both named Bob, Big Bob and Little Bob. And Little Bob is sort of into traditionally, you know, more feminine activities, what would be considered traditionally more feminine activities. Like, you know, he likes to play dress up and he likes to be play teacher, which I don't know why that's a gendered thing. But like, you know, he's like wearing a dress and he's, you know, teaching and he likes to, um, you know, paint his nails and do those kinds of things, have tea parties, whatever. And Big Bob is a little more traditional masculine and you know is playing football and is doing these things and they're trying to interact and it's just like oh we you know we want to be friends but we like very different things and they're kind of navigating being friends and um and there are the thing that i'm like i just don't um I like more affirming books rather than books where it's like a problem. And right. so this book, the, the kind of thing that happens is Big Bob is sort of like, well, that's for girls. And Little Bob is like, no, it's not. And that conversation is happening. And then a new a new girl moves into the neighborhood and she kind of comes and says, oh, well, that's for girls. And then Big Bob stands up for Little Bob and says, no, like kind of has come to terms with like, no, he can, he can do what he wants and whatever. And then the girl is like, oh, well, actually, like I'm a girl, but I don't like to play with dolls. I like to play with whatever. And so they're, you know, the idea is that they can all like what they like but at the same time like I do have a little bit of an issue with like the I don't really I'm not always a fan of the sort of like being made fun of books mm-hmm. right it's like a, that, <laughs> that wave of problem like you said like problem stories like yeah. whether like you would put it in the special issues section of a bookstore to help someone navigate the question I have about those books is like who is it for like, who's really the audience? When would you pull that out? What messaging is it actually sending, you know? Yeah, I think for me, like that book, uh, I wouldn't read that book to the little Bob in my life. I would read it to the big Bob in my life. 
Like, mm-hmm. I think I would read that to the kid mm. who is maybe perpetuating those kind of gender stereotypes and saying, no, you can't, and saying, like, oh, no, look, everybody can be themselves. Or, like, maybe to a classroom of kids. Um, I think that my, you know, my fate, like, the thing, I don't love books that do this either. Like, and the thing that I appreciate in the end of this book is that what it brings up is when Blossom, is that <laughs> yes. the, the girl character, says like, oh, actually, you know, she comes into the story as a gender policing individual. And then by the end, you know, says, oh, actually, I don't like to do these things that I came into this story saying were, um, you know, gender essentialist things, but actually I don't identify that way. So like the actually the transformation of her character specifically, I think is really profound. And that like, that's what I would hope the message would be from that book is that like, oh, even even the children and even the people who are perpetuating this binary myth of boy and girl, and there being things specifically associated with those genders that are okay for them to do that like the people policing that like don't even have that personal experience and yeah. that's like that when always the, when, the case <laughs> i don't know yeah i yeah i don't love the i think i think that so many kids actually do have the direct experience that's illustrated in this book though that the value in that is like my you know my kid has had that experience going to school verbatim like you go to like the colorful nails book like you go to school like somebody tells you you're not allowed to do something or other so there there is like a big there's a I think there has to be a place for those books too even though yeah I think there's value in in sort of affirming those experiences in a way that's like hey like yeah this happens and but I think I guess the question is like Rebecca was saying like who who is the book for. Right. And I like the idea yeah. of using it as a response, like using yes. it, like you're saying, like using it for the big Bob, using it once a child has unfortunately had this experience. I don't think that it's, but I think that that is a more useful way to introduce it rather than yes. as just a, just a book to pull off the shelf. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. Um, and then uh, there's also, I know, because we, we spoke about this a little last time, I know that we have mixed feelings also about my other book that I like. Um, but <laughs> that, which I love, I love when it's not just like, this is a great book, moving on. Um, but the the other book that's sort of my honorable mention is Pink is for Boys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you have feelings about that. And that's by um, that's by Rob Perlman and illustrated by Ida Caban, uh, and that is published by Running Press. Um, and this one, again, I will I'll, I'll sort of talk a little bit about it, what it is before I go into my feelings about it. But um, it's sort of the idea is it goes through every color and it's like pink is for boys and for girls, you know. And then it describes things that you know could be like for for frills and hearts and whatever it sort of goes through each color and says you know green is for boys and for girls for running in grass and doing what you know doing this and that and it sort of goes through each color and it's like every color is for everyone um and again i i see this book more as a response book Mm -hmm. than a book to just read to my kid i see this more as once my kid comes home from school and is saying well well blue is for boys 
then I can have this book as a tool to be like, well, actually all the colors are for everybody. Right. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm excited to hear your feelings about this crystal <laughs> based on the noise you made. I have lots of feelings about this book. Like <laughs> one, I, well, first I have to call out the fact that there is a picture of both a white and what looks like maybe a brown child on the cover, but there are so many mm-hmm. spreads in this book that feel really, really whitewashed. Mm. And that end up making, when there's an appearance of a different colored child, it feels, like, tokenizing Mm. to me. Um, And there's, like, a boy in a wheelchair a couple of times, or a person in a wheelchair, and, like, a redhead. And then, like, every, (laughs) every, like, random number of pages, there's, like, a person of some other ethnicity or, or skin color. And I just am, I don't know, I, that turns me off about yeah, it Yeah, that's really, in a way that it feels tokenizing. Um, and I just, I'm like, if you're, if you're going to talk about the rainbow being for everyone, which is definitely even language that I use with my own child, then call the book that. And if you're going to go down the rainbow of colors, like, do that but starting with pink is for boys I feel like is reinforcing this idea that people say pink is not for boys and I think like laying in with that is another it's just like another book that is centralizing this as an issue rather than trying to outline the rainbow is for everyone as mm-hmm. like a, a a part of our culturally accepted lexicon and experience it's like identifying it as a problem and in rejecting that as something that people it's like presented as a rejection and I think that's really problematic because it's just reinforcing this binary the idea of the binary I guess it reminds me a little bit of I knew a family once who um, it was a two dad family. And I think that where this came from was basically they were, you know, they had memories of being forced into, you know, one kind of presentation and not being allowed to maybe present more feminine and had negative ideas, uh, you know, about that negative uh, experiences with that. And but their idea, they wanted their child to sort of be raised gender neutrally. And their idea of that was that she could only wear gray. Um, and, oh. and, and so, and so for, or what they consider to be more neutral, like colors. And, um, so the to parent- me, I was like, well, now the parents sort of one of, well, one of them more so than the other felt very strongly. This is the family that I need for, mm-hmm. uh, one of them felt very strongly about this. And the other one was just kind of like, okay. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I think that, and I personally, that felt to me like you're taking one you're forcing you're still forcing your child into one thing even if it's a different thing than what's culturally what they might culturally be forced into you know what i mean you're still limiting them and so i guess i can understand that perspective of so it's sort of coming off like well one if we're saying pink is for boys then we're still saying one color like that was a weird title choice because then it still sounds like we're saying one color is for one group of people it's like completely reinforcing the idea of a binary even saying it's kind of the opposite of what the book is trying to do i think that even 
I mean, I hate to make a case for why the family you nannied for was doing something wrong, but even saying that there is a value in homogenizing the way that anyone experiences or uses color is reinforcing the idea that colors are somehow making a statement about the binary. Like, yeah. I feel like it's all, no, I it's agree all with going you. back to this, I, like, like we're going to acknowledge that this binary was developed and instated and we're giving it power. You're continuing to yeah. give it power if you're going to continue mm-hmm. to even respond to it. So let's just stop responding to it and develop the language and the stories that are going to reflect the actual experiences that we want our children to grow into and the language and the ideas that are outside of that that we want them to grow into rather than staying inside this box and saying kind of like pushing back against the box while we're still inside of it. I will also say that it does exclude people who don't identify on the binary. Exactly. Right. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) It is a, it is a problem story masquerading as an affirming story because the premise of the book is that there is this problem even though the way it's written is like colors are for everyone that's not actually the messaging that it's giving it just feels very like i'm like oh this is i don't know anything about the author but i'm gonna go ahead and guess that they're like a white straight cisgender person who's trying to really simplify this idea for their kids in a way where they're not actually addressing the deeper content of this issue that like, if, if you're going to reject the idea of, of, of people in our culture saying pink is for boys, then you have to like start deeper, like go deeper than that. Yeah. I will say when I read this book, like, and again, like we shouldn't have to edit, you know, I shouldn't have to buy a $20 book and then edit it. But I will say that I usually just read this as like pink is for everyone for this, this and that, you know, green is for everyone. Like I don't say boys and girls, Mm -hmm. Um, but like, should I have to do that? No. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I think, I think for me, it's more like you were saying, I feel like it's more of a problem book than an affirming book necessarily. And I think that I would use it when that Thing has already happened I wouldn't necessarily just pull it off the shelf and read it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think that there I don't know I find some value in it and the illustrations are super cute they are I actually like really <laughs> like Ida Caban's work um it looks like she is a um was born and raised in Turkey she's but married, I will say I married haven't. to a friend of mine <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny I will say though I haven't looked at it I don't have it in front of me right now unfortunately so I I would have to relook at it through the lens that you were talking about of um it seeming like a little token tokenizing of uh marginalized groups um so I can't speak to that right now because I can't get a pdf up I can uh, I can send you the youtube link what I was looking at it from <laughs> Pot- <laughs> potentially illegal Um, yeah I see I I see the argument for the the binary reinforcement a little bit more clearly than I see the the tokenizing Um, but like like you Seth I don't have it in front of me right now but anyway uh, Rebecca do you want to go ahead and talk about your book sure let me pull up my my information for myself Um, the book that I chose is actually not kind of overtly a 
problem story or overtly an affirming story about gender roles. It just is a book that the story, the um, the character, the protagonist um, herself, kind of defies the the gender norms of her time. Mm. So the book that I chose is Summer Birds: The Butterflies of Maria Marion. And it was written by Margarita Engel and illustrated by Julie Pashkis and published in 2010 by Henry Holt and Company. Mm. And um, this is a biography, a picture book biography of Maria Marion, who was a um, uh, who was born in 1647. and began as a child to study the life cycles and the processes of metamorphosis in insects Mm. and in um, frogs, etc. And she is a woman who became famous as a scientist, an artist, and an explorer. Um, And so I read in The Atlantic, I read just a little bit about uh, Maria Marion, um, Maria Sabia Marion, um, this, and in the Atlantic, I read the Swedish naturalist Carl Linnaeus would later use her drawings to classify insects. And Germany's most celebrated poet Goethe, um, who also wrote a treatise on the metamorphosis of plants, praised Marion for her ability to move between art and science, between nature observation and artistic intention. So um, she is someone, Maria Marion is someone who. Um, was kind of a, a woman in the STEM field before her time. She was um, she ex- traveled the world um, as a naturalist. And in one of the most subversive pages, she says, um, oh, she's someone who basically at the time, um, people believed that um, butterflies basically emerged um, in a spontaneous way from mud. <laughs> Like they, there was just no understanding of the of the metamorphosis of the life cycle. That's and amazing. And so she was, as a child, began to observe and realize that that was not true, but um, would have been called a witch. She would, she would have been accused of witchcraft if folks knew the way that she was studying insects and um, studying animals. And so she says in one of my favorite spreads, "I know the grown-ups are wrong about summer birds, which is what butterflies were called." Insects are not born from mud. I have seen their whole life cycle with my own eyes. Insects grow slowly, changing from one form to another. None of the forms are evil. And so I love this um, idea, this notion, that this statement that grown-ups are wrong. And I think that that's something that every child should hear, that grown-ups can be wrong. Um, and a page shows this, like, this gentleman here kind of looking around in this dark kind of page and then here she is like just with these airy butterflies two-headed dragon yes yes so the cool thing about the art in this book um which it was done by one of my favorite artists julie pashkis she does beautiful work we featured her before in our shift book box books um she um uh, I write that in her signature, jewel tones and soft, expressive faces, Julie Pashkis um, combines, and this is a quote from Margarita Engel, the author, Marion's childhood sense of wonder, accurate science, and the fantastic medieval superstition. So she really mm. draws from books of um, 
from um, art that was done during the medieval times and pulls in these really incredible um, dragons and other sort of creatures uh, to just give a flavor of um, 17th century Germany. Yeah, I love that. Check out this spread. In this spread, she the the ship that is a butterfly. It's just phenomenal. The ship with butterfly Aww. wings. Let's see if you can see this. That's so gorgeous. Let me see them. Yeah, see. that that reminds me of like a tapestry, like a. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I exactly. love that. So the art in this is just lovely. the The text is very simple. Um, it's told in first from per, first person perspective, and then there is a great. Um, like historical note in the back to give a little bit more information about uh, Maria Marion. And she was a, a, a scientist before her time, a child who defied adults and went on to travel the world and really defy uh, gender norms. Um, I love her that. Era. Can I share just one more honorable mention that I have? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Um, I don't have this book in front of me um, anymore because of uh, due to recording schedule stuff. Um, I had to return it to the library because it had been requested by someone else. But I did want to give a shout out to The Boy and the Bindi. Yes, I love that book. Which is written by Vivek Shraya and illustrated by Rajni Pereira. Um, And it is the story of a boy who's very curious about what his mother is wearing um, on her forehead. And it kind of talks about um, the bindi and the, the purpose of the bindi. And then he uh, identifies as a boy and he would like to wear a bindi. And so he does. And um, it says, rather than chastise, this is from the description of the book, um, rather than chastise her son, um, she agrees to it and teaches him about its cultural significance, allowing the boy to discover the magic of the bindi, which in turn gives him permission to be more fully himself. And uh, the art in this book is really, um, it's, it's quite nice. Um, The story is told in rhyme, which is not my favorite way to tell a story. I think some of the rhymes feel a little bit forced, (laughs) but I do think that it's there's a great great room for this book on the shelf. It's a nice um, yeah, it's and it's gorgeous. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. But I feel that the the rhyme way I also feel that way about is that for a boy or a girl. Some of the rhymes I'm like. Excuse me. <laughs> I love like too forced. When you say that, Rebecca, I have a visceral just image of your face every time I see you pick up a book that rhymes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, which we were on a podcast so people could see your very expressive face. I know. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just appreciate, I think that beyond um, combating some gender stereotypes that the boy in the bindi is introducing and unpacking the idea of what a bindi is, which is something that has been so culturally mm-hmm. like appropriated and continues mm-hmm. to be um, by everyone in our culture. And so I think that it's also doing this job of introducing this um, really significant cultural symbol and spiritual um, right, and identifying element. like the yeah. richness and the depth of that. But al- yeah. al- I mean, also in a kind of, you know, this kind of thing is not done that often in books that we find about any child. But now it's brought in this additional additional element of kind of examining gender norms as they exist in a different culture. Yeah. Too, which I mm-hmm. think is really profound and 
exciting to see as well. And coming from members of that culture. Own voices. Yeah. Hashtag own voices. <laughs> hashtag own voices. All right. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.